0: Good morning, church. Ah, uh, I. I'm interested in you know, church is a church is a mix of all different kinds of gifts, all different personality types. So uh, just you know, quickly by show of hands, uh, how many folks out there today are extroverts? You know, statistically, this looks right for Lutherans. Sure. Okay, uh, by show of hands, how many of you are introverts? No, you wouldn't have raised your hand. (laughs) All right, so that's that's a very, you know, binary categorization. It seems to say that you're either all one or all the other, but in reality, I don't think most people fit cleanly into one category or the other. You got, you know... Most of us are a mix of the two. Um, but, but to figure out where you fall on the scale, here's some things to think about. If you're an extrovert, you... Well, so after you're in a, a, a gathering with a lot of people, do you feel charged up or exhausted? If you feel charged up, probably you're more on the extroverted side. If you feel exhausted, maybe more introverted. How about when you have um, a lot of alone time? Do you feel refreshed? Or do you feel a- anxious or, or tired? You know, If you feel refreshed from all that alone time, then maybe you're more of an introvert. Again, I don't think anybody's really made for the extremes of either, or very few people. Most people need a balance of both. I do, you might think, extrovert, right? He chose to talk to people for a living. And yeah, fair enough, but uh, there's a lot of pastors who are introverts, too. Um, That said, I think that balance of people time and alone time, um, I think for many of us, it's maybe most of us, I feel like getting the alone time might be the harder thing these days. How many of us and I'll just know by your guilty smile, how many of us feel like we could use a whole day or several days where we don't have to talk to or see another human from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed? Yep, 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 I see you, I see you, I know you, and I'm not judging you. Um, I could use those days every once in a while. This might be in, in part, you know, post-pandemic thinking, right? Because for many folks, um, during the pandemic, you and your spouse or your roommate, uh, you were both maybe working from home. And if you have any kids, then they're maybe doing school via zoom. And like, there's just, there is no quiet corner to hide in. You know, there's just no escaping people everywhere. You turn around, there's somebody and, and and a bit of alone time just sounds like heaven, right? And, you know, a bit of alone time can be a really healthy and helpful thing. Uh, I was just talking with uh, Wendell before church about that. uh, Would you call that a windshield time? Yeah, you know, when you're just in the car alone with your thoughts and maybe prayer or maybe singing really loud to the radio, right? Because it's harder for us to get, many of us, I think we might romanticize alone time a little bit. But the truth is we aren't made to be perpetually alone. In reality, being really, really alone is a pretty terrible thing. If you're in if you're in prison, where's the worst place to be? Solitary confinement. There's a reason for that. We need to connect with each other. Um, anybody remember, I think it was around two th- the year 2000 a movie came out called "Castaway." Yeah? It's about a man who survives a plane c- crash, plane crash and uh, he stranded on a desert island for four years. And if you've seen the movie, you probably remember two characters. You remember Chuck, who is played by Tom Hanks, right? Tom Hanks, who starts with um, you know, clean-shaven and very type A to being you know, beardy, grizzled, very, very skinny guy, right? So you remember him, you remember Tom Hanks. If you, if you remember the movie, who's the other character that you think of immediately? Wilson. Wilson. Okay, if you haven't seen the movie, you might be wondering, well, who is this Wilson guy? It's different than the Home Improvement Wilson who, you know, looks over the fence. Different guy. Um, Wilson, in this movie, it's a volleyball with a face painted on it. Um, Why is Wilson important to the story? This volleyball is Chuck's only friend and he talks to it to stay sane. You might be thinking, he's talking to it, he's not sane. Well, yes and no, right? Situation is much worse if he doesn't talk to this volleyball. And, and I'll tell you this, he has no dialogue, but Wilson has excellent comedic timing. <laughs> like, he, he is the favorite character for a lot of people in the movie. And there's a, there's a moment where... where Chuck has to say goodbye to Wilson, and it's like, you're heartbroken about a volleyball. Well, why why did he do that? Why Why did he have to have this inanimate friend? Because being alone, really alone, not just having a little alone time, but being really alone, that's tough. Loneliness, like deep loneliness, that's just one or two steps away from despair. We need people. We need people to bounce ideas off of. We need people to, um, to acknowledge us, just to acknowledge that we exist. I mean, how important is it to just smile and say hi to people? We need people in our lives to nudge us back on track when we start to fall off the rails. We need people to challenge us, to challenge our ideas. We need people to hold us accountable. We need people to sympathize with us. We need people to need us to help. You know, there's an interesting bit to the creation story. Um, in the beginning, you go, you go back to Genesis, God makes the world, right? And at the end of each day, he looks at what he did He goes, "Ah, that's good, you know? You you know that feeling you get when you finish cutting the lawn and you look over your shoulder? Yeah, That's, that's pretty good, right? God did that every day, except when he made Adam. He put Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam is surrounded with paradise, all the wonderful and interesting creatures and none of them trying to kill him, you know? Um, delicious fruit just almost falling off the trees cool weather rivers converging I mean it's just gosh, it's Eden you know and Adam's there God looks at Adam and says this ain't good well he didn't say ain't (laughs) you know but uh, I'm, I'm translating into Texan God looked at Adam, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he makes Eve. And then he looks at what he did, and he says, this is good. He says, this is very good. We aren't made to be alone. Not really and truly alone. Even the most introverted people still need connection. Part of the thing about being a a mortal and and living in this ephemeral world in which we live is that just about every relationship you have is temporary. Here's what I mean. Think about about the, the, the run of your life. You know, you go to your first school, and you make some friends. But eventually, you go to a new school. Maybe you got to start over. You change neighborhoods, right? You, you change jobs. And with each of these transitions in your life, there are going to be some relationships that you say goodbye to and some new ones maybe that you form. And that's when things are going well. At other times, you know, you've got a friend, and and for whatever reason, there's a falling out between you, and the relationship just comes to an end. Maybe, maybe you just have a friend that you drift away from. You know, you just don't have the time or the energy, or they don't, and it just doesn't work out, and you just kind of drift apart. Maybe you're in a very successful marriage, very successful, and you're together for decades maybe even get close to a century, at some point, one spouse will have to say goodbye to the other. But wouldn't it be wonderful if you had a friend that you never had to say goodbye to? Wouldn't it be wonderful if, if, if you had someone close that you could confide in somebody who would laugh with you and cry with you, somebody who could give you good advice and real help when you need it. What would a friend like that be worth? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were never truly alone? Romans chapter 8 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Come on. Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Persecution? No. Don't die on me here guys. Come on. <laughs> Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? And then again it says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing, nothing in the whole universe will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think that through with me. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, dangerous sword. You know, in those times, that's when people are, are very likely to say, where is God now? And what's Paul's answer? He's right there in the mud with you. He's right there in the suffering. He's right there in the persecution. That stuff cannot cut you off from God's love. But but this is an emergency. It's a matter of life and death. Yep. Let me tell you something about life and death. The Lord of life conquered death. God's love didn't stop when Jesus was crucified. And look how that story ended. God didn't divert Jesus from the cross because he loved him. Through the suffering and death of Jesus, God worked the highest and the greatest good possible. Through the death of Jesus, God brought about the end of death itself. His perfect life paid for the sins of billions of people, stretching all the way back to creation, stretching all the way out to the end of human history. From the outside looking in, it would be easy to think that God didn't love Jesus as he hung on the cross, but nothing could be further from the truth. Thinking through that list, Jesus faced every enemy on it. Uh, Powers, rulers, hardship, nakedness, death, all, all of it. He faced all of that, and his love never lapsed for a moment. And not only did he face them, he overcame them all. There is literally nothing that God's love for you in Christ Jesus can't reach across. Maybe some folks today feel burdened by their past. You know, it says that nothing in the past can separate you from the love of God. Maybe you're feeling really anxious about where the future is headed. Well, nothing in the future can separate you from the love of God. There is no place too high and remote that God can't meet you there. And there's no place so low, not even hell itself, that God is unwilling to go there for you. There is nothing, literally nothing, that can stop his incredible and powerful love for you. God is with you. No matter what. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for, uh, I think we can say, for your tenacity that pursues us, for your resilience and endurance that that there is no hurdle or obstacle, no circumstance, no power, no person who can come in between us and you. You are with us wherever we go. Wherever we're going, you're there already. Wherever we've been, you were there with us. We thank you so much. And there's a whole lot of uncertainty in this world. There's a whole lot of uncertainty in this life. And so much of this life is transitory. But you are not. You are certain. You are present. You are dependable and true. And we give you thanks, Lord, that you are with us. And that doesn't depend on us. That doesn't depend on our, our worthiness. It doesn't depend on our, it doesn't even really depend on our faith. It, just, it depends on your faithfulness. Thank you for being with us. No matter what. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.